So throughout this fall, we have been walking through Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And normally I have you follow along in your journals and in your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to set those down for a moment. Because for seven chapters, we've been walking through this remarkable letter and we come to the most important, the greatest chapter of this book. But perhaps not just the greatest chapter of this letter. This is perhaps the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has in Christ Jesus set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the form of the likeness of sinful flesh. And to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the things of the flesh is death. And to set the minds on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you were not in the flesh. You were in the Spirit because the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also because his spirit dwells within you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For God did not give you and you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we might be glorified with him. 
For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not out of its own will, but out of the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that it might be set free from its bondage to decay and will attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly while we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For it is in hope that we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, then we will wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but that that very Spirit intercedes with sighs that are too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? That if God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not withhold his own son, will he not also with him give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? Because it is God who justifies. Who is in a position to condemn? It was Christ who died, who, yes, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. What then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nothing in the past, nothing in the present, nor anything that is to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans chapter 8. And that, that took so much time this week, I didn't have a chance to work on a sermon. But I got a few things to say anyway. We are talking about, in the letter of Romans, first, what a mess that we have made of our lives and of this world. And then we are discovering what a gift that we have received in grace. And the next move that Paul makes is to tell you that there is no gift without a giver. And so today, as we come into chapter 8, we start to think about God. 
And for when you look at it and you just do like a word count. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says law, 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 law. 31 times he mentions the law. And what he is basically saying is what the law cannot do. And in essence, chapter 8, it is spirit, 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 19 times. So what the law can't do in you, the spirit can do in you. And so today, let's talk for a few moments about how the Spirit of God can change you. And according to Romans chapter 8, that happens in basically four different ways. The first way is this, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The way that Paul describes it is like this, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Over and over again, if Christ is in you, if the Spirit is in you, there is this process of what they refer as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That we don't just believe certain things about God and that that's Christianity and that's what makes us a difference. What a Christian is, is not only what our faith and conviction is, but what that faith and conviction does. That it invites the Spirit of the living God to come and to take up residence in you and me. And that, if you think about it, if you do it, will change you. I was perfectly happy with most of my life when I was single, like the way that I lived, like the fact that it was my time. And then I went through the inconvenience of falling in love, <laughs> getting married. The wedding was great. The honeymoon was great. And then there was this woman named Kelly that moved in with me. <laughs> and that changed me. I mean, can I leave my clothes on the floor anymore now that Kelly and her spirit dwells within me? <laughs> I cannot. Can I leave the dishes just in the sink because the spirit of the Kelly dwells with me? I cannot. I cannot do a variety of things. There has been no more of a behavioral transformational work in my life than the indwelling of this thing called Kelly. And in the same way, if the spirit of the living God really does take up residence in your heart and your mind and your soul, there's no way for that to happen and for you not to be changed. For you see, in that moment, you won't set your mind on one thing. You'll set your mind on something else. You'll have your mind on the spirit. And that leads to a whole different kind of life. Let me see if, if I can explain that this is for sure to happen, but it requires our participation. 
So there was this time when we were in California when the girls were young, we were in between dogs. We are a pet loving family, but because we were in between dogs, we believe that it's important to have these loving furry creatures around. And so in the interim, we got a hamster by the name of Squeaky. And Squeaky was a part of our family, and our daughters loved Squeaky. And there was this particular juxtaposition, this moment in our family life, where inside the house, Squeaky had fallen into ill health. And in fact, we had a vet that lived a couple of doors down. I was feeding a hamster. Don't don't think about how ridiculous this is drops of antibiotics in order to provide health and life to this hamster. While that was going on, at the same time, we had two rats who had taken up residence in our garage. And because there were rats in the garage, Kelly and the girls would not go in the garage. One particular time, that vet came over to check on Squeaky after work one day, and as he was holding Squeaky, he looked at me and he said, I believe this is where my expertise ends and your expertise begins. (laughs) So Kelly and the girls were going out of town. Kelly was giving me some particular instructions with Squeaky. And while I'm thinking about the ridiculous nature of these instructions, I said, wait, I just want to make sure I've got this straight. You want me to keep this rodent in the house alive, and you want me to kill the rodents that are in the garage. She said, exactly. Here's why this is important. When the Spirit of God starts to dwell within you, there are some things that are incompatible with the Spirit of God. And they need to die. The way that the Bible talks about this is mortification. By the Spirit, you put to death. If you really understand that the holy, living presence of God is with you, inside you, there are some pests that you have been putting up with for way too long that need to be exterminated. And that'll change you. And so the first thing that you need to understand in order to change is that God's presence in his spirit dwells in you. The second thing you need to know is that God's spirit not only resides with you, God's spirit is adopting you. The way that the scripture talks about it in this passage is like this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. You are not born into God's family. You are claimed. You are born to reflect God's image, but to be a part of God's family, you are called. You are summoned. You have been 
adopted. There's a family in this church who, through their travels, was connected with a family from another state. And this family from the other state has adopted a variety of children and has one child with special needs, and his name is Cooper Murray. Cooper doesn't live anywhere close to where we are in Atlanta, but his favorite baseball team is the Atlanta Braves because Cooper is close with God and knows what goodness is. <laughs> Cooper has a dream. And that dream is he wants to, because he loves baseball, to throw out the opening pitch in every one of the major league baseball stadiums. And so Cooper talked to this family who talked to me and the church got involved and we contacted the Braves and we said, we have a favor to ask. And the Braves said, you bet. And so last month, Cooper stood on the mound in Truist Park and threw out the opening pitch and I got to be with Cooper and his dad the night before. And while I was talking with them, the whole point of them wanting to do this is so that to create awareness for other special needs children who are waiting to be adopted. And that's something that this family takes seriously. It wasn't that long ago that this family went from having seven children to 11 children. You think you're tired? And the reason they went from 7 to 11 is that they were on a mission trip in Cambodia. And they met these four kids that were all siblings where both parents had died. And they wanted to keep all four of the siblings together, but they couldn't find a family that was crazy enough to adopt all four of them. But God moved in the heart of the Murray family. And they decided that they were going to adopt these kids. And so they hopped on a Zoom with them to share the news with them, along with the agency. So their whole family up here in the States, hopping on a Zoom to these four orphans in Cambodia to inform them that they were going to be adopted. And they celebrated, and they were tears of joy, and they talked about the details of the process, the timeline. But there was one of the siblings of those four that they could tell was a little disturbed. And so they asked, what's wrong? And she said, I'm afraid you're going to change your mind. God did not give us a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but a spirit of adoption. And when you realize what God has done in adopting you and me to make us his children, to make us his heirs, the spirit of God will change you in that moment and so the Spirit dwells within you, the Spirit adopts you, and thirdly, the Spirit 
according to Romans chapter 8, the Spirit is constantly helping you. Paul talks about it like this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The word helps there is a a very unusual word in the Greek New Testament. It's not the conventional word for help. This word has only one other time that it's used in the New Testament. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha in the 10th chapter of Luke where Martha's super busy in the kitchen and she's trying to make all the preparations because Jesus and other people are there. And Mary, her sister, is sitting at Jesus' feet, learning, teaching. And Martha's fed up with it. And so she takes her apron off and she swings it down and she marches into that room and she is going to give a little bit of her mind. She doesn't give her peace of mind to her sister. She gives her peace of mind to Jesus. Or don't you care? Tell her to get up off of her tush, that's in the original Greek, <laughs> and help me. The word for help in this unusual story And in Romans 8, only two times, is two words smashed up together, and it means to grasp together. Lord, tell her to get up and grasp this together with me. And Paul, reaching into the lexicon of what the Spirit does each and every day in our weakness, in our confusion, and in our chaos, is that the Spirit of the living God grasps together with us in our weakness. This is the grip of God we're talking about. The very one who spun the planets into their orbits. He will grasp your problems with you to help you. Do you think that changes the way you see your challenges? When he's dwelling within you, when he's claimed you in adoption, when he helps you, and finally, by securing the victory for you. Ukraine's been in the news a great deal for understandable reasons. Do you remember the election in Ukraine in 2004? A guy by the name of Viktor Yushchenko was fighting the establishment. Supposedly they were free elections, but they were a fraud. All of the polls showed him with a comfortable, well-ahead lead of kind of the party establishment. But within the corruption of that government, they had rigged the election. And as they were going about this news, the people were in despair. Here's an image of Victor when he was in office. Here's a before and after picture. You might recall Victor was the one who is allegedly 
and likely poisoned by Russia in an attempt to get rid of him. And you can see the before and the after of the impact of the poison on his face. Here is an image that's a screen capture of the very TV of what was happening, of it showing that Victor was losing. But you'll notice that over here in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen is a woman who is bravely doing sign language to communicate what the newscasters are reporting. But she understands what's really going on. And so while the newscasters are saying that Victor is losing, she is at the same time saying, don't believe a word of this to the deaf community. (laughs) This is completely a lie. And so for the thousands of people who read sign language, you had what the big screen was saying from the government, and you had what the little screen was saying that was the truth. And the deaf community mobilized together in Ukraine to communicate with other people. They refer to this as the Orange Revolution. And before you know it, there are millions of people wearing orange marching in the streets to demand freedom of election. You and I hear news reports on our feeds within our own minds of all that is wrong, of how that there is no way that we will have the victory. Paul makes a list of trouble and hardship and persecution and nakedness and peril and sword. Is it violence? Is it poverty? Is it a list of whether it's social, emotional, physical, economic, psychological, all these things that could possibly go wrong. All the big screens are telling us that we are being defeated. Don't believe the lie of those big screens. The truth of the gospel is that the victory is secure. And that we are a people of patient and persistent hope. Because nothing will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that no, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you know the victory is secure. That'll change you. And no matter what you hear and what you read, you will know that there is a destiny for this movement that is the gospel. And that your destiny, my destiny, and our destiny is secured in what happened when Christ Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a lot of people who fly under the banner of the name of Christian whose lives haven't really changed. And the way to explain that is that there's four ways that the Spirit of God actually changes you. 
that if you realize that God has taken up residence within your soul, that'll change you. If you realize that God has truly paid a price for you in adopting you, that'll change you. That if you realize that whatever you're grasping or struggling to hold on to, the Spirit grasps it with you. And that whatever you think in the defeat of what you hear and see that the victory is secure, that will change you. And so may the very Spirit of God who inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words, may that very Spirit now inhabit us as we personally and together become a revolutionary movement of change. Let's pray. We thank you, O God, that there is indeed no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In what is perhaps the greatest chapter in the Bible, you help us to come into contact with the scope of the Spirit and how your Spirit is alive and present and changing each and every one of us. Thank you that you have come to dwell. And that means that we have not only a whole new focus, but that we need to put to death by your Spirit the things that are incompatible with you. Lord, thank you that you'll never change your mind. That truly your love does not allow separation. Father, we're so glad that you're here to grasp together with us what seems so overwhelming. And in the face of defeat, you have secured the victory and made us more than conquerors. And so God, be with us and change us, call us, Secure us and help us. For Christ's sake we pray and all of God's people said.